This episode is brought to you by Rockstar Energy Drink. Be honest, are you procrastinating by listening to this podcast? It's okay. You just need Rockstar Focus. Choose from three delicious flavors, each crafted with ingredients for an ideal energy and mental boost, like lion's mane, 200 milligrams of caffeine, and zero sugar. Visit rockstarenergy.com to learn more. At least 75 milligrams of caffeine has been shown to help improve attention. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to series two of the ultimate TV podcast, Soap from the Box, the show where we go behind the scenes of some of the nation's favourite shows, Coronation Street, EastEnders, Airmadale, Hollyoaks and Australia's finest neighbours and home and away. I'm Lee Salisbury and I directed all of the UK soaps for over 10 years and in this podcast I speak to some of the biggest stars of those shows. There are two episodes every single Sunday this season of Soap from the Box. The other one is online now so download that and listen to it after this but this one that you're about to listen to is one of my favourite actresses from so many of my favourite shows including Dinner Ladies. Enjoy. Okay, so my guest today was born in Oldham. She's got many strings to her bow, music videos, theatre, singing, author, and one of our most successful television actresses, known to comedy fans as Anita in Victoria Woods Dinner Ladies, and to soap fans not only as far in River City, but also to the nation as Sunita in Coronation Street. Shobna Galati, hi. Hiya. So I always start um, Shobna with a memorable moment. And my one of the memorable moments with you, actually, is I did the, I directed the 2010 Children in Need uh, Coronation Street meets EastEnders called East <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which we did. Do you remember you had a bit of an Asian off with Nina Wadia, I remember, yeah, at the beginning. Absolutely. I mean, I think perhaps, you know, the subversion of the stereotype was a bit much for some yeah. But for us, it was really good because, you know, in a sense that, you know, when you get a, a job on a soap opera and you are an actor uh, from a particular heritage and of colour, sometimes you get sort of drawn into the politics of all of that. Nina Wadia, who was in EastEnders, she and I have been friends for a, a long time and we had our first job together. You know, oh, really? Well, my first stage job was with Nina uh, as an actor, uh, uh, so it was it was kind of lovely to learn the ropes. And uh, oh, I just got I'm just got to go backwards a little bit here because you know, in the dressing room on yeah. the first night, she got these flowers, and I just thought, oh, flowers! Uh, you know, that's amazing. She goes, oh, well, this tradition, you know, this is what you know happens on first night or press night. And I went, oh, right, brilliant. I'll let everybody know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, never had them. What, you've never had them? Well, I, I have later on in life from, you know, various uh, various love interests. Along the <laughs> right, okay, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, only the ones that kind of are in the know. 
Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, no, it is a really old fashioned thing, that, isn't it? I remember Barbara Windsor telling me about it, how I remember going into her dressing room and she had like a florist in her dressing room on the first night. I know. And then, you know, lucky, lucky for B, really, because, you know, she, it's interesting. I've learned, I learned a lot from her as well, you know, along the way, every time I met Barbara, uh, she would always show me the way. Yes. you know, in inimitable fashion, really, she was just wonderful at making sure that everybody knew that uh, if you were working, this is what you were doing. And, you know, this was your availability. And uh, this is what you have been doing if you weren't working at that moment. So she was always the person to stand with at one of these parties because she'd make sure that you were introduced to them you know helping you find another job when she left eastenders i said to her you'll be so missed because you just she's like the glue that holds things together isn't she it's that real old professional thing about her where she just you know she's just a major that everyone looks up to she everyone looked up to her didn't they it's because she she was incredibly supportive of everybody and especially i think um, young women in the industry, yeah, and and the, and the people coming after her, you know, instead of instead of shutting the doors like some whose names I will not, we won't go into now. No, yeah, so she was not like that at all. She was very open. And I mean, we brought up the the thing that we did in East Street, which was obviously quite close to the line. Oh yes, and this is what I was saying. You know, well, let's go right back to that. Is that you know, there's a lot of pressure on us to you know to be to be that stereotype in who yeah. in whose ever mind, whether it's in the minds of the writers, the producers, the the execs, the people who run the channels, or never mind just the soap opera, or indeed in the minds of those who are watching, you know, whether we conform to what they want us to be. And, you know, it is very lonely, that experience. So, you know, Nina and I had often shared chats on the phone and, um, you know, when Children in Need came up, it was, you know, wonderful to work with you because you were very open to the idea of having having this hashtag Asian off, which is, you know, who is the most stereotypical? <laughs> yes, I know. It's tongue-in-cheek. Which one was wins, you know? Tongue-in-cheek, but important to kind of do that. And then, so it's not just a big serious debate, you know, that people can... It, it raises the question in a different way because when you joined, obviously, you had that people against the character saying, oh, it's reinforcing negative stereotypes because she came in, obviously, from an arranged marriage. Yes, but the, then- the wonderful thing was, you know, even though I knew that that was going to be possibly the storyline, <clears throat> is when I went for the audition and it was with a producer called Jane McNaught. And uh, she, I went into the room and, and she said, um, we, you know, we're, we're going to try and make you related to Dev like a cousin. And I went, please don't. <laughs> because it would be great, you know, not to have every person of our heritage related on Related program. to each other, yeah. Yeah. But secondly, um, it would be great to just leave it open to story possibility. Yes. And she was very, and she was very, very behind that. I mean, I know that was my audition and, you know, I possibly, you know, stuck my head a little bit above the parapet and spoke out. But she was, you know, she was excited by that. 
And that's when you say that, Shavia, because Nina, almost in her auditions, no wonder your friend, she had said to them, actually, you know, can we just, can you not think about them being Asian and just think about them being characters? Exactly. <laughs> let, let the religion be the second-handed thing and then this family might work. Well, exactly that. And then I will come on to the bit about the arranged marriage because, you know, then when I got the job, I, I just said, wouldn't it be really interesting to look at her as a young woman who's just had cold feet. Yes. Um, you know, and, you know, it, in, in my life, in my life, I know people who have had introduced marriages and had cold feet. You know, arranged marriage has all these kind of cultural connotations. You know, arranged marriage has become really weaponized, you know. In the, yes, totally. You know, so it's kind of like, you know, the honour and forced marriage and all of these things which do exist but not in in the world that the character was coming from and I just I I just said it would be lovely to just look at her as a human being as a person who's had cold feet you know and try and bring some of my thoughts to the table to make her a person that I knew yes in terms of that I I thought and thought and thought about my own background. You know, I was I was married young. You know, partway through my marriage, I got cold feet. Yeah. And I felt that I'd let everybody down because, you know, the wedding had happened and, you know, all this money was spent and it was, a you know, a great big affair. So I took that into Sunita and thought about her. All of this is all got ready, you know, arranged, not in an arranged way, but, you know, everything's been set, the date's been set, you know, venue's been booked, the food's been, you know, organised, all of that. And and she runs. And what running away from all of that brings to the table? Let's talk about Corrie. When you joined Corrie, I mean, was it um, something in your, you know, had you been a Corrie fan? Because obviously it's just one of those shows that's an institution and I always imagined joining as an actor no matter how experienced you are, must be quite nerve-wracking. Well, to be absolutely uh, straight with you, it's it, it was my mum's favourite show. Oh, wow. Of God. all time. <laughs> of absolute all time. You know, in fact, it was the show that nobody could speak through. Right, you know, okay, yeah. Where you could just watch it and perhaps record it on a video cassette recorder. <laughs> um, one of those. It was the time where, you know, Mum would make sure we'd all add our tea. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> I mean, if you even stepped into the room, you got the look of death. <laughs> so it wasn't that, you know, what the newspapers first reported about me, that my mum learnt English from Coronation Street. No, right, okay. absolutely not. My mum was born in England, actually. She could speak English. Of course she could speak <laughs> She was born well, in England. My mum. Learned the ways of the north from Coronation. Coronation Street, right? I see. At least Coronation Street opened her eyes wide to the, you know, the kind of that dry sense of sarcasm that we have in the north. That's amazing, then. So really, it was part. It was a staple of her life from when she was that young. Then, that's well, she quite... loved it from day dot. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that is amazing that a program is there for someone that long. So she, so the pressure was really on you then. Well, yeah, the, the interesting thing is, is and, and when we talk about the book, we'll, we'll come to that. The interesting thing is, is that when I joined, she sort of disassociated me. A right, bit. I see, I see. All the people she loved 
And then there was her daughter. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, often my mum would go, oh, uh, I love that Karen, which was uh, Saran Jones. (laughs) Do Do you not want my car that says, you know, Dear Asha, best wishes, Shovna, you know, brackets, Sunita. <laughs> I really, really want task cards from, you know, <laughs> Darren. <laughs> so we used to laugh about that in the green room. Did know. she like the character, though? Did she like Sunita? I think so. I think so. I think I think she was just, she was a little bit, uh, she, she loved, she loved death. Right. And, you know, she did hope that they would fall in love. And then, you know, being from Manchester and being in that show, that's a massive achievement. I mean, I, I never thought that, you know, I was, a, I was a dancer to start with in my life. And, you know, I was also a model. I just hate that model-turned-actress kind of, <laughs> kind of uh, whatever vibe that goes on. MTA, in it? People go... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you go for EastEnders as well? Yeah, I was in EastEnders before I was in Coronation Street. Oh, I didn't know you were in EastEnders. I, that didn't come up on my research. Well, Who did you... The interesting thing is, is the same week I went for both auditions. Oh, Wow. So one was to play a regular, i.e. Sunita, and the other was to play a guest uh, social worker. Ah, right, okay. So I went down to London to read for Amina, and then I went into, and I remember dressing up for each each audition, one to try and just hide the fact that I'm quite childish. <laughs> one to look really serious social worker type. Serious social worker type, you know, in a skirt and then... <laughs> yeah, power suit kind of thing. And then the other one was to play this character, Sunita, who'd what run... What did you change into for Sunita then? What did you go well, I wore uh, brown flared trousers and a tight brown top and loads of jewellery and hoop earrings. Right, okay. And I just thought, I think she's she's a one is Sunita. She's yeah. got a bit of sass. She's just a bit sort of in herself a little bit. Then of course they put me in an orange pullover. <laughs> of course they did. So then by the Friday, I think it was, I was there and and my agent phoned me and she went, Oh, you better sit down. She said, Well, you've got two jobs, love. Oh my god, that's amazing. East Enders have said yes, and so is Coronation Street. And I went, in my usual fashion, can I do both? <laughs> <laughs> you probably go down in history. I bet you're the only person that's been offered EastEnders and Coronation Street on the same day. Oh, well, I think I probably am. I'm not the only person to have been in both. No, <laughs> but I mean, to be offered the two, two of the biggest shows on TV on the same day is quite a feat. It was a feat. So Amina was in for six episodes, so I did six episodes Amina Badawi she sounds a little bit like a newsreader um, <laughs> but she um I wasn't very good I don't think anyway <laughs> but, um, I was a bit sort of boring I think I took Sonia's baby as a guest in any long-running soap opera you are a tool to move the story on you're not necessarily a character which is a hor- horrible way to look at it but true it's true and consequently I can safely say I was a bit shit <laughs> so anyway it, it was only for a period of time and then you got and then you got Corrie I needed shoes for kid so 
<clears throat> did the job. I think what's great about Corey is there's so many character actors as well. So there's so much to kind of... I mean, do you know that Snoop Dogg is an absolute mad fan of Coronation? <laughs> is he? Absolutely. Doesn't miss an episode. That's brilliant. Snoop Dogg, Anthony Hopkins, Derek Jacobi, Julie Walters. Ian Cad Tilsley said the Queen has got to love Coronation Street. I mean, it's got to be the Queen's, but surely the Queen loves it. I can't see her loving EastEnders. Well, I met the Queen. She was so funny. She went... And you run the corner shop. Oh. Yeah, she knew because... Oh, you see, there we go. I've ended up being on a stamp as well, haven't I? Have you? Yeah, me and Dev, me and Jimmy. That's um, brilliant. We're on a stamp. We're on the, you know, the commemorative stamp. For That's amazing. Yeah. That's the kind of thing you can't even dream of having, isn't it? Like that's brilliant. Let's quickly go back to so before we move on from Sunita, mm. I'm just going to go through her storyline. So I mean, it's quite amazing actually. She escaped an arranged marriage, diagnosed with an aneurysm and a brain tumor, mm. was imprisoned, held hostage, gave birth to twins, became a single parent, survived a tram crash, an affair, trapped in a fire at the Rovers, and then got killed off in hospital. I mean, quite an adventure. Do you know what? Those people who didn't like me tried to kill me a lot of times. <laughs> there was a lot of near death there, wasn't there? There was a lot of near death. I think they got me at last. They had <laughs> Now, I'm going to give you... I do feel a little bit like Joey and Friends, you know. You know, because he you know, he's always, if you get the script where you're in the lift... <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. You know that's you gone. But, yeah, I always got the script where something, you know, completely tragic happened. <laughs> now, I'm going to give you a quick, to see if you can remember about Sunita, because it just brings up some other stuff, to see if you get a quick quiz. So who did Tracy Barlow let slip to that Sunita didn't want to marry him? Yeah, was it Keith Duffy? Yes, that's it, Kieran, yeah. Kieran. I almost married Kieran. Right, your next question, Shona, is why was Sunita arrested on her wedding day to Dev? Because she was apparently a bigamist because Maya Sharma had um, opposed as me because, you know, all Asians look alike. (laughs) He'd managed to do this and she'd married a whole heap of people. Illegal immigrants. I mean, I shouldn't laugh. It's something that makes me laugh that she'd pretend to be you and married seven illegal immigrants. Which is not difficult, as I said, because... You know, lots of people confuse us because apparently we all look alike. <laughs> so, this is tongue in cheek, listeners. You know, yeah, it's very tongue in cheek, listeners. <laughs> yeah, she managed to impersonate me. Not that I suppose that Sasha, who played Maya Sharma, would be completely happy with the fact that we got confused. Yeah, that's what happened. And then Tanita got arrested so that Maya could have his her wicked way with death. But Dev didn't love Maya. No, so he loved Anita. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. She just decided to behave completely inappropriately and kidnap Sunita and tie her to the cooker while she rowed with Dev and set the corner shop on fire. <laughs> it was just a normal week, really. Do you know what I mean? Of the relationship in Coronation yeah. Street. Is it great? when a partnership works like that. Do you know what I mean? And you know you're part of a really strong on-screen couple. Yeah, it is great. I think Jimmy and I always had, um, you know, as a as people between us, we, we, we're always quite fiery between us. You know, our relationship as friends was always quite fiery. And in fact, I brought that to the table with Jane McNaught in my first audition. I said, Jimmy and I know each other. And she said, I can see 
how that could work. You know, we've always had that kind of a relationship that is sort of like a, a sibling rivalry. Yeah, a brother. I was going to say it reminds me of a brother and sister relationship. That. Yeah, so that kind of like one-upmanship that we had as yeah. you yeah. know. So it that kind of worked in a romantic sense as well, because it suited our characters that she'd give him grief and he'd give her more grief. It did bring a little bit of life, you know. I, one of my favourite scenes with Jimmy is it's just an everyday one in the corner yeah. shop where yeah. we're um, just I'm doing the um, I'm pricing with the pricing gun because that's what you do in the corner shop. That's all you do. That's all you do. And we just. It's almost like a little bit, it's a little nod to Bollywood because we chase each other around the shop, pricing each other. <laughs> right, okay. And, it, and and it's got that kind of sort of romance about it, everyday romance. And this is the Coronation Street romance about it, slash Bollywood, that I really, really like. And it really, you know, shows the chemistry. Between you both, yeah. And I think, I think he's one of the characters that's, missed that since Do you know what I mean I think there's a lot of people who have been in partnership I think say for Sally yeah well they should bring her back I mean they should bring Sunita back as the twin because Sunita had twins so oh, they no, could, no. If they were serious they should bring me back as his twin as Sunita's twin oh that would be so fun yeah the mean, the mean the mean the twin the mean like, twin like yeah. Phoebe and Friends when she played both and one of them was really mean. Right, the yeah. final question on Corey before we move on to other stuff is who does who does Sunita find setting fire to Jason Grimshaw's building materials? Becky. Oh no, it was Carl I've got Carl Monroe. Oh, when we were having the affair. The affair, yeah. Which was John McBee, that, who was Stella's husband. And I only bring that up because when so when things like that happen, would you be surprised? Would you open a script and find out, oh, God, she's going to have an affair, or would that be something talked about beforehand? So sometimes you you know, but, it, I mean, I always knew I was going to die. Yeah, that wasn't just a shock on the day. No, I did. it wasn't a shock on the day that I was going to die. <laughs> I knew I was going to die about three, four months before it happened. But, no, I didn't originally know I was going to have an affair with Carl Monroe. That, that would eventually lead into uh, Sunita's death because oh, demise yeah demise because uh i'd resigned so dying came as a shock three months into my oh right so it's time for another year and then the, the death come up i mean i obviously these things happen don't they produce so different people have different views of dying in a soap obviously if you don't want to go but it's kind of like it a close if one good point is it closes the door and you can't go back but then obviously the bad side of that is you can't go back i mean some people say it gives them closure would you have preferred not to have died in it um, well, it's given me closure, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's quite good to close the door on Sunita as the character that I played for so long. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, that's nice. I think in a different in a different space in my head, you know, because uh, money for kids' shoes. It's kind yeah, of like, it's um, nice to go back. It would be nice to go back because you know. It, as an actor, it's really hard, isn't it? And so, you know, in terms of any kind of security that you might want to have, um, you know, that's that's now, you know, the possibility of pension has gone now. So it's like, you know, Akshay's going to have to buy his own shoes. <laughs> yes. What I do find sad about not being there is uh, my friends who are still there. 
Yes, yeah. And, you know, the, the friendship I made with uh, Kate Ford, who plays Tracy Barlow, you know, is still very, 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 very strong. And, I, you know, we often, you know, reminisce and laugh that, you know, when Sunita arrived on the street, she, she had many affairs with different men. <laughs> As um, everyone does again, it's the, that's the, uh, that's your, uh, what's it called? Modus operandi. Yes, yeah. And that's your initia- initiation. Initiation. To have lots of affairs. The interesting thing is, is then when Kate arrived to play Tracy Barlow, I met her in the Rovers on her, one of her first days and I said, where are you in the building? And she said, oh, I'm just up in this room at the top. And I said, oh, I used to live there <laughs> you know, when I first arrived. I said, I'm going to ask, do you want to move in with me? <laughs> and she did. Oh, amazing. And we moved into this dressing room and we laughed and laughed and laughed because we put up pictures of everybody Sunita and Tracy had had. (laughs) So the wall was covered. The wall was covered. Eventually, Tracy Barlow took over. Yeah. Oh, Tracy. Kate, I love. I mean, she's one of the people that you just, it's a joy working with. Kate, but it's also a joy working with Tracy Barlow. Yeah, Tracy Barlow is an iconic character. She I mean, is. She really one is. Of the best written characters and and performed by Kate. Um, you know, because completely opposite. Totally, you couldn't find someone on the other side of. You know, I don't know. On the complete other side of the wall in a different place. Yes, I always because that's the thing, isn't it? With soap, I think, especially when you're there for a long time, unless you've got a real character, character, I think it's quite easy for a lot of people to almost start blending into themselves. So I love, I think it must be nice for you, and you know, when you get a character that's so not really you, it must be Mm -hmm. great because you can go to work and be something else properly. Yeah, and I think I just anyway, we we are. She goes. She often sort of texts and says, "I wish you were here." I know. I, that's why. And then there's a longing and a nostalgia for that past. It really is a. Um, I mean, I made a big decision to leave after ten years, all of them, because I just wanted to do other stuff. But it's a big decision because they are families, aren't they? I mean, I when I remember when I first started doing EastEnders after doing Emma Down Corey for so long, I felt like I was cheating. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you, you do feel you do feel like that, you know, when you let a character go and you shed her skin. But that's if you're allowed to, and I have to say, you know. Being allowed to shed Sunita has been quite a struggle for me. Yeah. You know, I have had casting directors say, but she was so iconic. And can't. But then again, you know, so was Karen, so was Becky, so was Hayley, you know. So I just feel like sometimes they put more hurdles in front of me. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've jumped over and I'm not going to sort of, sort of, sort of sit in the bath and go, oh, I could do that, but I've just, it's not for them that I do what I do. I just, you know, will carry on and reinvent myself and yeah. not for anybody else. And you know what I think with the other actresses as well, I think it still takes that other one role. I mean, people have given them the chance for them to shed that skin because otherwise, you know, surrender. Yeah, I'd is- love the chance. I mean, if anybody's listening who wants to write me a role. Yes, a new Dr. Foster. Absolutely, because, you know, in the words of Diana Ross, I'm still waiting. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I, probably now more known will be remembered for Dr. Foster. It's probably harder to shed that now for her. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of almost another hurdle when you become... I remember Jenna 
Coleman, my friend from Emmerdale, mm. who's obviously now doing amazingly, but she went to do Doctor Who and she was really debating whether to do Doctor Who because she was like, God, I've just, I'm trying to shed Emmerdale and if I do Doctor Who, <laughs> it's a whole nother layer to, sh- to shred. Sure. Sure. So you, you've got to put it with you've got to put it with all those other things that people want to throw at you as well. Being a woman, being of a certain age, being of colour, all of these things, you know, yeah. you know, and, you know, and then on top of that, when you're a woman in this industry, there's this sort of really it's sort of the pressure of being beautiful. On oh, top totally. of that. Yeah. Pressures to be not old, to be of a skirt and skin tone to be of a certain feature you know all of those things you know I just feel like it, it is it is hard but as I said you know I'm continuing running around the track along with everybody yes with the hurdles but it's interesting you bring that up and it's good to talk about this because actually a lot of my female actor friends have said that there's a real gap in working between basically when you're younger it's great and then it's really until you're playing the mum or the nan you know there's a real it's- I'm having a problem trying to get mum. Oh, are you? I am a mum of somebody who's 26 years old. I know, which I find unbelievable, actually, but yeah. Why is it unbelievable? I had sex and made a baby. I know, no, no, not that. Just because you do look really young. You do look really young. (laughs) I'm 54. We need to be offered the opportunity to play. That's it. That's what I am. I'm an actor. I've had to play in my 20s when I've actually been in my 30s. So why can't I play my age? Yes, exactly. If I've been successful enough to play Sunita, who arrived in the street at 23, when I was actually 12 years older than that, then why can't I play my age? Ending Coronation Street then, let's go on to Chauvener. You grew up in the Salkham area of Openshaw, Manchester, and I didn't know, I, I read that you were one of your friends back early years with Sarah Lancashire. Uh, yeah, I I was born in Oldham and I, yes, and uh, Sarah and I went to school together. Which is amazing. It's one of those full circle things, isn't it? It is one of those full circle things because, you know, when I have actually got to work with Sarah since when we do, we're in the film, everybody's talking about Jamie together. Yeah, which I'm going to talk about, which that, that, that was kind of what I meant for, was it like one of your latest things is working with her, which is incredible. That's, again, it's kind of one of those weird things that happens, isn't it, in the I world? Know, it was so weird because, you know, Sarah and I, and I sat in the, in, in the makeup train and went, why have we, why have we never worked together before? <laughs> and then, you know, there was a shorthand to our chemistry again. Yes. You know, it, and I felt like I was cheating, and she said too. She said, "We feel like I feel like we're cheating a bit, don't you?" She said, "Yeah, because we don't have to work at anything. We know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know each other in quite a particular way." Um, but so one of your first gigs, which I love, because you said you were a dancer earlier, was actually in Boy George's music video for "Bow Down, Mister." Oh, so yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of you as J Lo now because that's how she starts as a dancer in Janet Jackson's music video. Not quite J Lo. Yeah, well, I don't know. You're the UK's J-Lo. So how was that? <laughs> I'm still, I'm still Shobna from the block. You're still Shobna from the block. <laughs> As if she's still J-Lo from the block. Um, but what was that like? I mean, uh, I mean, amazing. I love the fact you've been in a music video. I've been in a few music videos, actually. What else have you been in? I'm not going to tell you that. Oh, go on. Because why not? Why not just leave it there? Why not just have okay, We'll just leave it there. We'll leave it with boy. Is it a good one, though, that one? Yeah, it's another good one. Yeah, in the 80s and 90s, there was a huge 
sort of you weren't selling the tune you were selling the video yes oh totally I mean Madonna changed all that made music videos kind of works of art oh yeah they I mean they are little short films aren't they I mean I still think that um unfortunately we're just so overexposed to everything now we become a little bit numb yeah and also there's no money that it's pointless putting money into a music video now when you can just tiktok a clip it was one of my pathways you know it was one of my pathways in into the, yeah. into the industry, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, a load of pathways in, really. I just remember having to wear a swimsuit and walk round the Hippodrome. <laughs> I was thinking, have I had the, the wax? You know, <laughs> what was that for? Well, I don't know. I don't know. It was an advert for something. Or oh, other. right, okay. You no, know, it's high-cut swimsuits, and, you know, being of the heritage I am, you know, that was quite hard to negotiate <laughs> around my waxing sessions. And what were your family? What did your family think of your career path early on? I mean, were they were they happy you parading around and and doing music videos? The interesting thing was that my mother and father both encouraged me to dance because I was a very much a a quiet child. They were quite worried about me, <laughs> um, because you know, in social circles as well, I'd be in inverted commas painfully shy. Oh right, okay. But, you know, in the house, I was you know, I was just. The, the, the annoying child to contend with but outside you know I'd just be quite quiet right I have two older sisters and one little brother you see one of the things to my sisters were in they were they were in a pop band and I, I write about this in my book it's um they're in this pop band called um the golden eagles and um, um, they did you know abba and bollywood right you know as you do as you do yeah but that must have been pressure on you then, the two sisters being so out there and then maybe that had an effect on you being so quiet. Yeah, I was quiet. And then um, singing away in a manger in the back of the car is one of my mum's favourite memories of me. And she'd say, <laughs> you'd stare out of the window and go, away. Oh, God, that's a movie scene in itself. It so they were pretty worried. So they, you know, I went to a psychologist as well. That's also in my book. <laughs> right. What's wrong with her? I know. Thank God you've written a book as well for this. I mean, there's so much to tell. Yeah, so then I kind of ended up um, going to these dancing classes, Indian dancing classes, you know, Indian classical dancing classes. So that's like ballet, but Indian. (laughs) Yeah, great though, amazing. So it's quite a, you know, very strict, written down uh, dance. And it was South Indian classical dance I learnt. And I took to it. I took to it like a Dr. Walter. Oh, brilliant. I absolutely loved it. And I went watching it with my mum. And my mum took me to the Panto anyway and to Amdram, you know, and to also the Oldham Coliseum. Oh, you're like the female Billy Elliot here, Shobna. Yeah, she she was really into into it all. Dad was happy that I was happy, basically. Dad was into football as well. So I was kind of like, you know, it was a very progressive household, but they didn't think that my hobby <laughs> was going to become my life. Yeah. They had hoped that it wouldn't, um, but it did. So I lost my dad when I was 19. Yeah, so I was at a crossroads, really. I'd promised my dad, you know, to do well. So I did, I went to, I went to, I went to, I was lucky enough to get into university, though, I missed going to Cambridge because I was so, so upset. And oh, um, wow. But uh, 
I'm, I'm sure he's forgiven me. I'm but, sure he's forgiven you now, yeah. Um, but I ended up going to Manchester University to study languages. I was a linguist, you see. So, um, yeah, it was it was interesting. And whilst I was at Manchester, I slipped in, without them knowing, a drama subsidiary course. Oh, wow. So that's how it all kind of happened. And well, that might not have happened if you go, went to Cambridge. I do think everything in life happens for a reason. And have you ever been tempted, not being stereotypical, but Nina, what do you, you know, have you ever been tempted by Bollywood? Because obviously... Yeah, so when I, yeah, when I was younger, I was 16. Uh, and before I decided to do my A-levels, I, I actually had gone to live with my grandmother in Delhi. Ah, oh, right, okay. And uh, I was dancing and... Um, I mean, it's 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 in my book. Basically, I didn't want to leave India. I wanted to be part of it. And the thing is, is the wider family back in India were a little bit more conservative. Yes. So, you know, my parents were even pushed not to not to encourage me too much. But yes, I had offer of Bollywood at nineteen. Yeah. Oh wow. But um, no, no, it wasn't encouraged. Also, my dad had died, and sort of the sort of within the patriarchy of my heritage, you know, everybody was looking to mom to be the person who would put her foot down, you know, and yeah. if she wasn't going to put her foot down, they were going to put it down for. Right. Okay. Um, so I wasn't, you know, and also I'd made a promise to my dad, so I just thought, well. I'll do what everybody says. And so then, by the time I'd gone to university, I even got married and then went back to India to dance. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'd done it. Like, you know, I just, I tried to follow the path, but at every step of that path, I kept, you know, as I'm on the racetrack hurdling, you know, there's points where you fall off. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't do exactly what, was expected of me and and by the time I was 28 I was pregnant but let's move to the role that again so many people remember you for and mm. what a way I mean the, the, to break into television I suppose um incredible I mean so the cast role is Julie Waters, Victoria Wood, Thelma Barlow, Maxine Peake, Duncan Preston, Celia Emery, Joanne Proggett, Sue Devani, amazing cast and you obviously Dinner Ladies which was 1998 to 2000 I mean an incredible show I mean how was that getting that you must have known you were onto something special there um no I didn't know I just took the job (laughs) I mean you don't know I mean all you know is that what is special is Victoria Wood and Julie Walters and Celia and all of those people that you've seen on telly you know Thelma obviously she had been in Coronation I know Corrie Corrie was there in your life all along yeah so she was stapled to somebody I'd seen on the television And like you said, I mean, you are amazing at comedy. I mean, was it an easy was it an easy role to get? Did you did you have to go through the audition? I didn't know that I was amazing at, at comedy, and thank you for saying so. But I I don't I don't know whether I just think I've got natural instinct. Yeah, that's the only way you can be good at comedy. I think have natural instinct. The beauty of Vic's words, you know, they're so finely tuned and honed. She understood funny. She understood funny. She understood what it is, you know, how it is. Is the pressure really on when the writer is also in the show alongside well, you? 
It was it was a quite an extraordinary experience, and of course, me and Maxine, it was our first jobs, both of us. And and I remember we shot the episode the Royals first, you know, because out of sequence, isn't it often? Yeah, you know, and I was just amazed that you know, I had a thought telly was filmed in (laughs) sequence. Yeah, yeah, don't lie. Oh, you know. I just had not, had no experience of being on the television except for, you know, pop videos and adverts. And I'm not telling you which advert I'm in as well. I've got to keep something, <laughs> something quiet. Before the internet, you will never know, just in case I'm the masked singer or something. Yeah. You know. So we shot this episode first. And, you know, it had the famous line, you know, um, about nipples. Nipples and nipples in it. It was the nipples episode. It was, yeah. When Nita's nipples episode, because you you often think about it in terms of what you're doing in the episode. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember, so we would record it on the Friday, and then on the Saturday morning, we'd all huddle into this room and watch it back with Vic. Oh wow! Oh, that's good. And and because we'd record it again on the Saturday, and well, it would be edited between Friday and Saturday. Was and it a live a live audience as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Hopefully they were alive. They weren't just pretending. But, you <laughs> so, know, it was, sorry, did you used to have a live audience on the Friday as well as a kind of yeah like- Friday and Saturday? Oh wow! Okay. So Vic would then make changes. Ah. Uh, so that by the dress in the afternoon, we'd have new lines and changes, and then we'd have to record again. You know, as live. So it's like. Basically, because Vic was so exacting and and rightfully so, it would the pressure was on to never make a mistake. So it was like recording as live. Yes, yes. There was no take one, take two. There was only take one, take two if your line had been crashed by um, anything. Yeah. Anything untoward, rather than you not knowing the lines. And I think that that was probably the training that I needed. I mean, my favourite description of the role was pleasant, pleasant, dim, forgetful, and love Celine Dion. Yes, I love Celine Dion. <laughs> I mean, I love Celine Dion. I mean, it's love Celine. But you know what? I made, you know, I worked so hard. I, I, I watched all these comedies. I looked at people who were, you know, that part. Yeah. That foil, that, that person. I looked at everything and, you know, my notebooks are full. And what Vic said to me, and as I said, you know, in the book I wrote, it's in there. She said that what was really funny to her was that I was so academic and so clever that she loved the fact that I could be so not. Dim, yes. But the the, the beauty of Sunita is there's a layer to that. She doesn't know that she is actually solving it. Yes. And then there's two things I want to mention. Obviously, the book. Firstly, though, you're in the film of Everyone Knows. Um, Everybody uh, talking, talking about Jamie, which has been a huge hit in the West End. I mean, another amazing string to your bone to be in a huge movie that's not been released yet because of COVID, I'm guessing. So it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. So I was in the West End with the show. I'm not the original cast. Um, the original uh, person who played Ray was Mina Anwar. Um, I came when Mina left. 
um, I auditioned and I got just, you know, me and my audition, so I don't know whether I'm going to get it or not, but I got it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd, I spent a wonderful year in the West End. You know, it was one of my dreams come true. Yeah, um, I think everyone's dream to have your name in lights and walk into the theatre every day, I think must be incredible. Absolutely. And my mum, you know, before she died, she she said, that's what you've always wanted. Oh, amazing. And she knew that. She knew that. So, you know, I have to say that despite, you know, the pressures that she had faced about my choices, uh, she was always, always behind me. Well, she must be so proud of you. And we must just mention that your book. Remember Me. Remember Me, Discovery, My Mum as She Lost Her Memory. But that must have been, as you said, you've done it over lockdown. It must have been a lovely way to have remembered your mum doing that book. It was, and and, and it, it, it is still because, you know, I mean, it's testament to her legacy and the legacy of so many of us who came to this country from, you know, from day dot, from the moment that, um, uh, you know, Britain went to India and yeah. vice versa. You know, it's testament to everybody's histories and it's, a, you know, it's histories that, need to be talked about and everyday life that needs to be talked about because it just gen shows you know humanity exists and the reason why we're one human race is because we exist as people and that you know that's that's why I wanted to write the book because there's a universality of experience in humanity that I think people have forgotten in this pandemic and I think because of the work you've done, the audience you can reach with a book like that is amazing. It's, you know, possibly people who might not read a similar book about the same kind of subjects. It's not a memoir. It's not a novel. It's not, you know, a recollection. It's it's a load of things. It's a load of things. I, I would, you know, I've never wanted to be put into a box as a person or an actor. So my book is not in that box either. So I'm just, you know, I've come out of my box and I'm waving at everybody. That I'm going to end on the review that I love this line, which I think sums you up. Um, Shona Galati is the northern heroine of a nation. That's kind, isn't it? That's Lem Sisse. <laughs> Lovely. And I love that. And that's where we'll end. I mean, it's been a pleasure talking to you. What an amazing life. What an amazing career. And long may it continue. Give, oh, her, give her either the role of the twin in Corrie or... As a mum, we want to play. see you playing a mum. I'd like to be Dev Patel's mum. Yes. Now, that would be interesting. Or just my son's mum on the television, because he's an actor too. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, God. Well, that, yeah, that would be easy. Well, Shona, it's been amazing talking to you. And take care. And, um, yeah, brilliant, amazing to hear all these stories. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care, Shona. Thank you, my love. An intelligent, passionate and very funny woman. Thank you so much to Shobna Galati for coming on the podcast. Remember, there are two episodes every single week this season of Soap from the Box. Thank you to David Stevens and the Bothy for all their edit and technical wizardry. As usual, what a top guy he is. And Ian McCallum for all of his press and PR help. Remember, you can also listen to Soap from the Box now on the brand new radio station, Great British Radio, which you can find online. You'll also find my own show there, so you'll have to hear more of my voice. Anyway, stay safe. See you next week for two more episodes. Have a good week. Soap from the Box.